for joining us today and welcome to the Chai Academy. We, um, yesterday's class was on leadership and today's class is part two. However, we will refresh, um, we will refresh and, and discuss um, what, you know, quickly what we said yesterday. So if anybody's coming in at new, do not be concerned. Let me assuage your fears. It, uh, um, you will understand. So basically what we were discussing yesterday was leadership. What made Moses a great leader? What was it? And um, hello, Eileen. What made Moses a great leader? What was it? And, and, um, and, and during that half hour, we processed that Moshe ran after a sheep, a little sheep, lamb, ran, ran away from the herd and the herd, you know, is, uh, the herd is generally a herd, a herd of sheep are gregarious. They're very social, not like a sheep to run. And, um, and they ran, the sheep ran. Moshe ran after it. He caught up, caught the sheep by a water, a stream of water, whatever it was. And Moshe said to the sheep, wow, I didn't know you were so thirsty. You must be exhausted. So we focused on those lines that Moshe didn't smack the sheep. Moshe didn't grab it with the crook. Moshe did not, um, did not, you know, grunt in frustration. Rather, Moshe analyzed the situation, and Moshe said to himself, "Oh my goodness, this sheep was thirsty. This sheep didn't run away because it's a troublemaker. This sheep didn't run away because it's 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 uh, lacking." whatever sheep IQ there is, um, the, 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 um, the sheep ran because survival, it needed to drink and it had to find water. And, and um, so Moshe, once again, he, 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 he could have yelled and screamed, you know, Moshe was a, you know, he wasn't a youngster, he wasn't a spring chicken, he had to run over, you know, sandy hills and who knows and cactus or cacti whatever it's called um you know he, he could have been very angry but he wasn't rather he looked inward and he said wow wow this thing is tired this, this thing is tired this thing is thirsty this animal wow i didn't know and i didn't know so we, we extrapolated from that and we explained that a child who's rebellious, maybe he's not rebellious. A child that all of a sudden puts on, you know, mod clothing or pierces their ears or changes their dress or changes their mannerism. It's not, it's not rebelling necessary. It's probably not rebelling. As we discussed yesterday, Dr. Shimon Russell said it's very rare to find a true rebel. What it is rather is that they're they're, they're dying, they're dehydrated. It could be physically, it could be spiritually, it could be emotionally, it could be mentally. They're, they're, they're dehydrating and, and, and they feel they're dying. So they run or they change their way just strictly for survival. And what a powerful lesson is that to, to, to anyone that, that hears this message. You know, you're a position of power, you're a boss, you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're a principal, you're a manager, you're a supervisor, you're a politician, etc. Um, 
you can't just think about what can my constituents do for me, but rather what can I do for my constituents? And therefore, therefore, if I notice a change, there has to be a reason. And that reason has to be tackled. And then Moshe, the end of the story is he took the sheep and he placed it upon his shoulders and he walked back. Placing one upon their shoulders is, is, is the idea of support. You help, you help the sheep when it was tired, when it was down, when it went through trauma. So too, your child, your student, someone under your care, is you, you gotta help them. Instead of yelling at them and saying, what the heaven's name is wrong with you? And why are you um, behaving the way you are lately? Rather say to yourself, mm -hmm. what's going on? And then find a way to analyze and then sit with the person and say, okay, what's going on? I can help you, right? No yelling, no reprimanding, no, um, no threats, nothing like that. No albatross hanging over their head. How can I help you? That should be the motivating factor. And that, as Moses did to the sheep. Wow. So he picked him up, right? Picked up a sheep. So, so what, what is the moral of the story? Is that Moses, the reason why God met Moses at the burning bush is because Moses showed signs of leadership. And what was the sign? Well, the sign happened right before he met God at the burning bush. It was a test. And the sign was Moses was an empath. He was empathetic. He, 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 he was able to see someone else's pain. He was able to see someone else's issues. And, and he didn't take it personally if he got yelled at by somebody. No, where well, there's something going on, what is it? You know, this person doesn't usually yell. My spouse doesn't usually yell. My spouse is usually happy-go-lucky, and now he or she is melancholy. What's going on? What is going on? What is the problem here? So, um, that's a leader. That's a leader, right? If, if a king of a country has malcontents, and it's not just one or two, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of opposition. I think of this country, you know, 50, we're divided 50%. The, the leader of the country has to say, what can I do to, to make it better? What can I do to drastically reduce the number of people in pain? Not what I can do to gain votes. And it doesn't have to be political. I'm just, I'm not even, you know, it, it's anybody in office, any congressman, any, any, any uh, senator, any president, any, legislator. I don't mean to go there, if you know what I mean. That wasn't not my intent. Um, so what, what can I do to help? So Moshe was extremely empathetic, and God said, he's the man. He's my go-to guy to send into Egypt because he gets it. He gets other people's pain. He gets other people. He reads. He's very good at reading somebody, and he's not obtuse. And he's not so wrapped up in, in, in himself that he cannot see someone else. You know the, the difference between glass and a mirror. So glass is plain glass. And you can see through. You can look at somebody 
somebody through the window and see them crying. If you have a mirror, which is silver backing, it's glass, it's regular glass with silver backing, you only see yourself. It's that thin layer of silver, that thin layer of, well, I got money, oh, thin layer, look how I look, or look how I this, that, that, that prevents you from seeing somebody else's pain. Moshe, his whole life was, was, was looking through a window. Moshe's whole life was, was he, he, he saw, he saw pain. And, and in fact, in fact, Moshe was very in line with God's thinking. So first of all, let's talk about, before we talk about God's thinking, let's talk about the first time Moshe was introduced. So he was introduced when he was a little baby and, and he was in the sea of reeds. And, I mean, he was caught in, in the basket in, in, the, in the waters. And anyway, he was eventually found by the daughter of the king. Sent to, sent to a woman to nurse him and then brought back. Moshe was the king, a viceroy. Moshe was the, the prince, rather, of, of, of Egypt. And the Torah tells us a story. He was 20 years old, he was walking in the street, and he sees somebody being violently beaten. And, and, and he couldn't understand. It wasn't just beat the slave to do work. This was not in the context of slavery. This was just cruel punishment. Um, punishment. And he says, well, that bothers me. There's one thing, you know, I was brought up with slavery. I've witnessed this my whole life, but this is, is no good. And, and, and um, he sees somebody being beaten by, by an Egyptian, and obviously a Hebrew. So, so um, he, he, um, he, it says he looked this way and he looked that way, and then he killed he smote the Egyptian. Now, the, the commentators say he looked this way and looked that way. He, he wanted, he looked this way and that way. He wanted to see, is there any redeeming value to this? Can this ripper, beater, thug, does he have any redeeming value? Or is he just a thug, son of a thug, grandson of a thug, and just a brute? So Moses analyzed, with, I guess, with his prophetic vision, and he saw that he's a thug, the son of a thug, and he'll have thugs as children who will be bullies in the classroom. And he said he's better off, better off for society, for the world at large, and, and he killed him. Now, we don't go around killing people. We also, we don't go around having prophetic visions. Also, we're not Moses. But Moses instead of running, jumping into the fray and saying, I'm gonna beat this guy to a pulp, look what he did to this, 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 this man, he's, in a, he's, he's, he's practically comatose, he beat him unfairly. Um, no, he thought, let me, let, me, let, me, let me be empathetic, not only to the victim, which he was, but also to the whipper, which he was. Amazing if you think about it. Um, then there's a fascinating, Moses led the people out of Egypt. And then there's a fascinating, fascinating discussion by the splitting of the sea. Fascinating, truly, truly amazing. So it says that the, the God split the sea and there was a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other side. And the Hebrews walked in between. So the commentaries ask, 
The word for wall in Hebrew is choma. C-H-O-M-A-H. But the way the Torah said it was chema, C-H-A-Y-M-A-H. It's an incorrect spelling. Choma means wall. Chema means angry. That there was angry water on either side. And the commentaries explain as follows. That the water said, hold on a second here. We're supposed to split and save these group of people and kill these group of people at the same time. These group of people that you want us to save were also idol worshippers. They also worshipped whatever Egyptian deities. Right? They're not innocent here. They're not they're not they deserve to die to which the Midrash says that God responded as follows which means a great fool you think these people had a choice yes they worshipped idols and yes that's terrible and yes that's horrific and yes Yes, it's wrong, but be a little empathetic. And God stood his ground, and the sea split and continued to split. So God was telling the water, I don't care about your anger because you're not looking at the big picture. Yes, they both worship idols. However, one was the aggressor, and one was the victim. Um... So, so, um, so the 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 um, so 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 we see that that's in line with God's thinking. There's one more episode in the Torah, which I think speaks volumes about Mo- Moses's empathy. So Moses went up to Mount Sinai. He was there forty days and forty nights. He was, as far as the Hebrews were concerned, he was delayed. He wasn't delayed. He 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 didn't count the first day as a day. So they, in their paranoia and their slave mentality, they built a golden calf. And the Torah tells us they played and danced and they had orgies and they worshiped this golden calf. And it was, it was, it was, it was horrific. They had just received the Torah. And the Torah tells us that Moses came down the mountain because God told him, go down, go down to your people now. Moses went down, and he, at the base of the mountain was his quintessential student, his main student, Joshua. Joshua basically hovered at the base of the mountain, awaiting for the time. He was, a, he was a consummate student. He was the epitome of a student. He was waiting for his master to come, almost like a, a, a mule. Moses came down, and Moses says, what in heaven's name is going on? So Joshua says, I hear voices of war. And Moses' response speaks volumes. Moses' response was, I don't hear a voice of war. I don't hear a voice of weakness. I don't hear a voice of strength. I don't hear a voice of weakness. 
what I hear is a coil anois. Anois is blasphemy, but anois shares the same etymology, it's the same word as pain. I hear the voice of pain. And you, Joshua, who, who, are God, who, is, who, who will be my succession, you will be the leader of the Jewish people, you cannot hear their voice of voice of pain? What type of a leader will you make? So let this be a lesson to you, Joshua, that it is a voice of, of, of pain if we look, and, and, and I can, um, uh, I don't know if I'll look now, it's gonna to take too long, but it's, it's, it's an exodus. Moses said, I don't hear the, what you're hearing. I don't hear the voices you're hearing. I hear pain. Moses understood that these people were, were, were beaten people, beaten nation, and they had slave mentality. They, they looked at, at Moshe as their, as their savior and they couldn't live without him. And we learn from here, by the way, everybody's expendable. Because he was, Moshe did in fact pass on and Joshua did take his place. But they, at that point, their, their, their point of reference in their mind is they could not live without him. And they were in pain. And they said, we gotta do something. So this is, they created a baby Moses. And that's what Moses was telling to Joshua. That I hear a voice of pain. This is not a simple, it's not a simple, they're not just being renegades and rebels. and They're not just simply worship a golden calf because they can. No, I'm with the people here, Josh. I'm with the people. And in fact, I'm so much with the people. He broke the Ten Commandments. He broke the contract. God, you want to sign a contract with these people? They're not ready. And, I'm, and he broke it. He says, they need help. They need therapy. They need Kleisenfeld. They need, they need uh, whatever it's called. They need um, you know, individual therapy. They need DBT. They need CBT. They need, they need, um, you know, they need therapy. Psychosomatic therapy. They need it. And there's no contract. And he tore it up. Amazing. Amazing. So now we fast forward to a to a, um, a story that I think will bring the point home. The story is told recent happenings of this, this rabbi in Budapest. There's a Chabad rabbi in Budapest. And he was the head of the what would be the equivalent of the of the um, JCRC, United Jewish Appeal, whatever, you know, he, he brought all these, these many synagogues and organizations together. He was involved, that was his job. On Shabbat, he was also a rabbi. Rabbi of a synagogue, a small synagogue. And one day, and Budapest, as you know, was, was a, a lot of Jews were killed, a lot of Jews were saved, but a lot of Jews were killed. Budapest was a small community, and everybody knew of one another. One day he gets a call, from a realtor. And he says that, would you like to buy a synagogue? He goes, there's a synagogue for sale? I mean, this is my bailiwick. He goes, there's a synagogue for sale? He goes, well, it was a synagogue in the 50s. It was a synagogue, but, but, um, but the communists took it over and they made it their, their public communist TV, not public, their communist, you know, it's where everything was broadcast from. And now, Right? There, there is just a building that lacks 
direction and ownership and it's in a park and the park authority would like to sell it so they'll sell it to anybody who wants to buy it but I, I, I'm Jewish you're Jewish it was a synagogue do you want to buy it he goes how much he said three million US dollars he goes can I see it so he went to take a look at it and and, and it was true to form while it while it's true it wasn't exactly like it used to be in its glory but you could tell where the ark was you can tell that these were the original doors of the sanctuary you can tell the arches is 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 um is where this was and that was and he was overcome with emotion and he says i don't have the the, the three million can i rent it month to month so he got permission and he rented it month to month and that's what he did and his name is Rabbi Kovish, by the way. You can Google him. One day he gets a call, 212 area code. Manhattan picked it up. And this is fellow with a Hungarian accent speaking English. And he said, I'm planning to come. And I would like to visit this synagogue. My parents used to go here. So Rabbi Kovish immediately thought that this is a, a potential donor. Maybe maybe God is sending me this angel that we can put down a down payment and actually buy it instead of paying rent. He goes, when do you want to come? He goes, yes. So he said, um, so he goes, yeah, you come for services. He goes, no, 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 no. I said, I want to come visit. I do not want to come for services. I avoid synagogue. I avoid God, I avoid Judaism, but my parents were there, and I happen to have my bar mitzvah there. So he goes, and he says, and I want you to know, you would consider me a bad Jew. So Rabbi Kovish immediately said, no, 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 you know, the Chabad stuff, no such thing as a bad Jew, why do you speak that way? And he goes, tell me, he says, no, 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 no. I appreciate what you're saying about a bad Jew. I appreciate it's fluff. I'm a bad Jew. I will come visit. And you know what? Um, I will contribute a plaque. So Rabbi Kovish's heart sank, a plaque, you know, a few hundred dollars. And um, he asked him, by the way, what do you do? He goes, I'm an electrician. He goes, okay, you know, blue collar. He goes, yeah, I'm responsible for Kennedy Airport. It's no longer blue collar. Um, I on the electrical contract. Anyway, so Kobe says, come when you want. Anyway, so he let him know when he was coming. He says, I'll tell you what, you're coming. You're, you're coming. You're a blast from the past. Why don't we invite a few people and have a little luncheon and we'll, we'll read the plaque. So he said, fine, fine. So they had a luncheon. They put up this plaque, you know, memory of, etc. And they serve the luncheon, and this person is very sullen. He's very withdrawn. He's very within himself, and he's, he's um, you can tell a lot on his mind. Finally, he said, I would like to say a few words. And he gets up, and he goes, I was bar mitzvah in this shul. I had my aliyah in this shul. And brings back a lot of memories, fond memories. But there's also a bad memory. After the Holocaust, 
my parents were killed, my uncles were killed, my aunts were killed, my cousins were killed. The only people left was me and my sister. We come back to Budapest because we know nothing more. But we're living in a under the the, the, the hospitality of of, of, of of a government in a DP camp. I'm walking around looking for work and I bump into a rabbi, not of my shul, but a rabbi who was here pre-Holocaust, pre-war. And he looks at me and he goes, you're so-and-so. He goes, I knew your parents so well. You survived the war. Who else survived? He goes, no, just me, my sister, but that's it. He goes, oh my goodness, but you're alive. And he hugged him and he kissed him. And he says, please, 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 Rosh Hashanah is coming. Come to the synagogue. So he said, okay. So he says, this is years ago. This is uh, 47, I believe. He comes to the synagogue and he goes up to the door and is met by a fellow Jew who says, says, yes, he goes, well, the rabbi invited me to come. My parents used to belong here. And uh, he goes, yes. He goes, I'd like to come in and pray. He goes, well, do you have a invitation, a paid invitation, which we would call a ticket? And he goes, no, 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 I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have a ticket. But I, w I was invited personally by the rabbi. He goes, did he give you a ticket? He goes, no, no, no. He didn't give me a ticket. So the, the fellow said, then I cannot let you in. He goes, but but hold on, hold on a second. I, uh, I, I was invited person. This used to be my show. He goes, no ticket, no entry. He said, from that day on, I said, I will never, ever, ever step foot in the show. And I kept to my promise until today. And Rabbi Kobish, your words echo. They echo within me when you said there's no such thing as a bad Jew. You are correct. I'm not a bad Jew. I'm a Jew that was deeply hurt, deeply, by this fool standing at the gates and the committee and the board or whatever that would not let me into my own shore post-Holocaust. I'm not, I'm not a bad Jew. They were wrong, I'm not wrong. And all these years I've missed out on my connection to Judaism and God because of them. It's the end of the story. Did he get a donation? I have no idea. Um, hope he calls me got to make the, you know, it's the beginning of the month. But um, there's no such thing as a bad Jew. There's no such thing as a rebel. Very rare. A rebel is either has, 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 has mental issues, right? There's chemical imbalance or worse. Or they've been treated rough. As we said yesterday, they've been traumatized. You're not a rebel without, without a reason. You're not a rebel without a cause. Right? It, there's, there's something backing it. 
And this is why, this is why the Lubavitcher Rebbe never, ever faulted the Jews of the world today as being Jews that are considered, well, they don't keep anything, or they're atheists, or they're apostates, or they, they're not in touch, and they're bad, 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 bad. The Rebbe didn't have that in his lexicon, because no, traumatized, 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 traumatized. If they themselves weren't kicked out of a synagogue, then, then their parents were dragged by a Nazi out of a synagogue. Or their grandparents, they could be Gen 3, out of a synagogue. And we all know how tough it was for the survivors, what they lived through just to get to some modicum of normalcy. So there's no such thing as a rebel. Moses understood it. The Lubavitcher Rebbe understood it. Both of them shared the same job. They were shepherds of masses, masses of sheep. They didn't view anybody as a black sheep. No. There was just a sheep that needed some extra TLC. And that is the answer, my friends, to rebellion. Love them, hug them, talk to them, take them out alone time, appreciate them, hold their hand, put them on your shoulders. That is the antidote. If pain was the cause of the rebellion, then love, pain because of absence of love, then love is the antidote. They were hurt by a teacher or a principal, if they were molested, if, if whatever, 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 whatever. Hug them. That is the lesson of a leader. That's what our leaders taught us. That, they, that somewhere along the line, something happened. They, they became disconnected. Plug it back into the outlet. Plug the plug back, and you will see tremendous success. I practice what I preach, I'm not perfect, but I do practice what I preach, and um, I have seen wonders, just wonders. Love you tons. Feedback is appreciated, it's been very quiet, and, um, and please share. If you know somebody, a parent who's struggling, please share with them, part one, part two, I think it could help, and please share with 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 others. Um, for some reason, the Chai Academy is the uh, is Long Island's best kept secret.